I guess because the whole world wants to have an endless summer, too, with Jan and Dean. That's nice. That's very, very nicely put. Um, I, I hope so. I mean, we never know. I mean, in 1961, my mom told me to keep my summer job just in case it didn't work out for, you know, summer 61. And just about every summer we thought, well, this could be the last summer. You know, let's enjoy it while it's still here and, you know, music will be changing fairly soon. Here we are, 1986. Still doing the same old stuff. Well, anyway, no, it's really fun. You don't get tired of it, though, because of the um, response, right? The response is, yeah. If, if, it, if there were just kind of an average response to this, I think I'd stay at home. But there is, you know, there is a, a real kind of rapport that we seem to have, and audiences get up and dance and interact. I like an audience that interacts. I can't. I really don't want to play in front of an audience that just sits there and politely applauds. I mean, that's nice, but I may as well not do it if, if that's going to... I want a rock and roll audience. I want them dancing, I want them clapping, and like what we just did, it was really fun. It's a two-way communication. Yeah, it's full participation. Everybody gets involved. And I will invite people, as you saw Jan, pulls people out of you know from the audience. Last night, we had a couple of guys who wanted to hear a song that we hadn't done in 20 years. So we said, we don't know it. I think we know it. We kind of knew parts of it. Right. We said, do you know it? You know, if you want to hear it, do, you must know it well enough. I said, yeah, we know it. So like, you get up here then. And these two guys, you know, I, I thought they wouldn't do it. You know, they yeah. came right up. I got them a microphone. I said, now, how does this thing go again? I kind of hummed it. Oh, yeah, okay. So we kind of basically knew the chords, and they sang it. It's amazing. It's like sharing. You know, it's, it's all a part. It's inner reaction, and that makes it worthwhile. Just to be up there and kind of... You know, listen to this, and we're going to, you know, do our songs, and then we got to get the heck out of here. That's really not fun. A lot of artists do that. So where do we go from here? Are there any more recording uh, uh, sessions in the future, or do you not see that? Recording? Yeah. Work for those buffoons? You must be joking. Um, we've been working for beer companies, you know, and, yes. and, uh, like this was sponsored by a beer company right here. Um, once you work for a beer company and, and you go back to dealing with record company people, it's like... You don't want to do it. It's Oxford uh, compared to you know junior high school. And really, it's ludicrous. Uh, the, the, I think the record industry just kind of just flounders about, and every once in a then they catch a real big, huge hit, a thriller album, and it keeps them all in business for a while. But they have no real rhyme or reason or market studies or anything. They just throw stuff out there, and if it sticks, fine. If it doesn't, I think that's fine for a young person. But at this point in our careers, I don't want to do that. I'd rather do these kinds of things, have instant gratification, go home and play in the garden. I don't want to go in a cold studio and, and pour out you know, my creative energies and then hand it to somebody, and it disappears. When I was in the graphics business, I used to do album covers for a lot of groups. I did about 400 album covers, I guess. And I'd hear these groups' music, and I'd go, my God, these people are very talented. Mm -hmm. Very, very talented people. I did, I did album covers like for Linda Ronstadt before she ever, you know, became before she ever, again, really a major artist. And Harry Nielsen and, and uh, Michael Nesmith. Michael Nesmith used to do great music. There were yes. so many artists. I mean, I shouldn't even start naming because there were, you know, 90% of the artists I did stuff for, you never heard their product. Never heard it. And I'd go, what the heck happened with that? That was a great album. And we'd worked on the packaging. We'd spent six months creating both the music and the imagery to go with it. You hand it to the company and they'd be going, 
Oh, that's really very nice. Oh, you know, we got a convention. Uh, oh, yeah, we're going to go. Uh, the convention starts tomorrow, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. Then they go off to a convention, and they come back, and their minds would still be at the convention. And you'd literally lose a record because of a convention, because of some lawsuit that was going on, some other record that was on the charts, and they were all trying to concentrate on anything. They, they get distracted. They took the fun out of it. They made it a big business. And all of the early rockers that we've had in this entire series say they didn't make a lot of money, but they did have fun. And it was the Renaissance period, where anybody in a garage, a small band, like you just uh, illustrated, got together, made a sound, and it was fun. It was fun from the disc jockeys, too, because we'd phone each other and say, hey, I got a new record out, I'd play it. Today, in the radio business, the same thing. Dean, it's been enlightening talking to you, and I, I think you've got it all together, and I wish you the best. And give us an endless summer, anyway. You've already done that with your recordings. I hope to. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much. I'll keep my job at the gas station. <laughs> Your mom was right. <laughs> For more legends, visit me at redrobinson.com.